How does a TV show manage to stay on air for more than 50 years? How does it stay relevant, winning 138 Emmy Awards and considered by audiences as the elite standard of investigative journalism, 60 Minutes is the type of reporting that many journalists aspire to achieve. And perhaps the answer lies in their expertise in anticipating big stories or making sure that the show still feels like it belongs in today's world, as former executive producer Jeff Fager has said. But it might also be simpler than that. It's about going back to what makes us want to be journalists in the first place. Storytelling. On today's episode, I speak with Enrique Acevedo, the first Latino correspondent in the history of 60 Minutes. That's 53 years. Enrique has covered news around the world like Fidel Castro's funeral in Cuba, the HIV AIDS epidemic in Africa, the humanitarian crisis in Haiti, the drug wars in Mexico and Latin America. During the 2016 presidential cycle, he co-moderated Univision's democratic debate and led the network's electoral coverage along Maria Elena Salinas and Jorge Ramos. He has interviewed big names, which include President Barack Obama, Melinda Gates, and Nobel Peace Prize winners. His work has been published in the New York Times, The Washington Post, El País, Reforma, Milenio, Letras Libres, Fusión, and the New York Review of Magazines. On this episode, we'll be talking about his journey to 60 Minutes, his passion for storytelling, why listening and empathy are some of our greatest tools, and why Latinx representation in the media matters. Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Latinx, a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. This season, we want to focus on empowering you to follow your passion and be smart about chasing your dreams while speaking to Latinx from all over. De diferentes colores y sabores. Thank you for all of your support. Our community keeps growing, so make sure to join Latinx on Instagram and TikTok at Latinx. You can also find out more on our website at wearelatinx.com. Let's start from the beginning. Tell me who you are and why you decided to be a journalist. I, I love that question, right? Because the way you answer it um, says a lot about what's important to you. Mm -hmm. So I usually say I'm a Mexican immigrant and I'm a journalist based in the U.S. Um, that explains a lot of my story and my, my passion in life, which is storytelling and journalism. I, I, I started in journalism as a, a um, sort of a, the result of, of pursuing another passion, which was um, uh, a career in, in the foreign service or just an interest in international affairs. Um, I was doing an internship at the Mexican embassy in Beijing, China wow. during my senior year in college. Uh, I got that internship, and this is going to reveal my age, by faxing over <laughs> Mexican ambassadors in the South Pacific Asia, wow. in Malaysia, in Indonesia, in Korea, in Japan, and in, in China. And, and four of them, four out of the five, said, no, you have to go through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and do this the proper way. And thank God, my first choice, which was uh, Beijing, then ambassador, uh, and you remember his name, Cecilio Garzalimón said, absolutely. I mean, we don't have any money, but we're happy uh, to use you. You know, we could use an extra hand. And, and if you can pay your own way and, and just uh, 
um, take care of yourself while you're here. We are happy to, to have you in Beijing. So I did and we became good friends and I ended up staying longer than I was supposed to. And part of my responsibility every day was to go to the Ministry of Information and write up a, 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 um, a brief of, of what uh, the Chinese government was saying. And I saw all these correspondence from the news agencies and, and just you know veteran journalists who were covering China back in 2000. That was 21 years ago. Um, and I said, what, they're, get, they're getting paid to do this, <laughs> to be in one of the most interesting uh, parts of the world and, and, and to be uh, you know, first account witnesses of history. And I, I wanna do that. And I hopefully wanna get paid to do that. And um, I went back to Mexico and one thing led to another. And yeah, um, here I am 21 years later, um, uh, having the, the fortune and the privilege to work for uh, of what many of us consider the gold standard in uh, broadcast journalism, 60 Minutes. That speaks also to your intensity, <laughs> your journalistic, like sending faxes and being like, someone say yes. Um, I think we're all, hopefully we've all been there. I think that's a necessary rite of passage. I think it is, right? Knock on as many doors as you want. I mean, as you can, uh, you know, walk that extra mile, do the legwork. That's, that's what ultimately this, this job is about. Eh, mucha gente cree que es como la gran entrevista con el gran personaje o, o el número de followers por salir en televisión. Eh, you know, it is what it is. But ultimately, I think that the biggest privilege um, to what we do is it's being able to tell the stories of normal people like you and I living in extraordinary circumstances. And that's that's uh, something I've had a lot to do in my career. I love that. I love, love, love that. Why? Because I think there's this idea of you're only doing an amazing job or you're obviously social media has skewed our perceptions in many ways because now it's all about numbers and followers and this and that. And sometimes I feel like we forget the story behind things. It's very much about the, you know, sensationalist clip or the sensation the person o sea, el personaje you're interviewing i don't know obama or like these huge names but when it's more about the story that to me is like oof i'm a journalist today not because i interviewed this person but because i found out the story and and that's probably what's gonna you know um, withstand the test of time mm -hmm. the stories you tell it's like a musician right when when they create music great lyrics that that's going to be here forever. And if we're able to, to tell great stories and those stories create change, imagine the, the possibilities of that. So, I mean, you know, I, ideally you, you can have, um, you can create an audience and generate interest with what we do. Uh, you don't have to just you know, take a hundred selfies a day and, and post them and, and build an audience that way. Don't take any shortcuts. Don't try to be on original. You know, it's it's a marathon. It's not a hundred meter race, and and I think it'll pay off at the end. Those of us who've been around for long enough. I mean, I've been a journalist for 22 years now. It started when I was 20, so I'm 42 now. Uh, so that's quite a long time. <laughs> but I, I I sort of take pride in that. Um, when I've had the chance to take a shortcut and say, if I do a little bit of this, I might get a little bit ahead. I just don't you know. Doesn't feel right. And and at the end of the day. Um, you have to look back at, at your life and your career and feel proud about everything you did. What 
does it mean to you personally to be 60 Minutes' first Latino correspondent? Well, first of all, it, it, it's a, you know, the realizing of a lifelong dream. Um, you know, when I started in journalism, um, I wanted to be, I wanted to write for the New York Times and the Washington Post and El País, you know? And, I, and then I was able to, do, I was brought up through print. So that was the, the big thing for me, the big dream. And I was even, even a magazine uh, concentration in, at Columbia when I, when I uh, studied journalism. Uh, but then I started, I ended up in broadcast. I, I remember the first time um, I had a, 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 you know, a job interview uh, to go into broadcast. And I told the then vice president of news at Televisa, I was like, you know, I, I don't know how to do television, but I'm, I'm a good journalist, so I know I could be a good producer, right? I know I could be behind the cameras and, and, and create some great stories and, 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 and generate value for your organization that way. And he's like, there's no way you're going to be a producer. You're going in front of the camera and that's it. And, and that's how my, my career in broadcast started. But since then, I think I've, I've looked at, you know, I grew up with that ticking clock in the background. I remember my parents... Uh, watching reruns of 60 Minutes on, on Mexican, in Cablevisión, no? And Mexican cable networks. Uh, um, and, and I was fascinated by the characters, the Mike Wallace, the, I mean, back then, what, the, the original group, uh, uh, everyone, uh, Ed Bradley, uh, Steve Croft, uh, Scott Pelley now, Anderson Cooper, Sharon Alfonsi, Leslie Stoll, like Bill Whitaker, et cetera, et cetera, right? And Bob Simon, um, they were like journalistic idols to me. And, uh, and I remember the first time I went into the CBS, the 60 Minutes office, I'm sorry, on the ninth floor. And I went into the tracking booth where you record the VOs. And it's been the same since, since they started 53 years ago. And, and just standing there felt like a, like a, a milestone of, uh, like again, for me personally, to answer your question, but but also to uh, journalists like like us who come from a very specific background and unique context, and and who have, in my case, a very characteristic accent. <laughs> the accent. I think that's what eso me emociona más. I don't have a very heavy accent in no. either language. You're great in Spanish and English. I want to do that. <laughs> Seeing someone like you is so significant for all Latinos. Este, also because one of the reasons I like talking about this is diversity seems to always be uh, equivalent to African-Americans. So non-white Hispanics and African-Americans. Yeah, that's diversity. Obviously we're missing because the United States is multicultural. It's a whole topic I can go into, but it's so significant to see someone up there with an accent good or bad, doesn't matter if you have an accent, but you represent us, you represent our country. Aparte eres de México, woo! Pero bueno, eres todos latinos, ¿verdad? Este... No, but absolutely, and, and I think it's a huge responsibility to yeah. bring it up, because um, I, I, I feel like I'm there to prove in a way that we are just as good or even better than anyone, um, and um, that our stories matter, that our aspirations and our struggles matter mm -hmm. and in many ways it, they define the new American dream so um, I think it's great that people like Bill Owens and Tanya Simon and the entire CBS News and, and the 60 Minutes leadership saw this 
um, as something that, that they had to do and that it was important to them. And I'm just grateful that they thought I could be the, the one to break that, um, uh, how do we say, I don't want to call it a glass ceiling because I, that's putting too much importance <laughs> on what I did, but just, you know, the, the precedent of not having a Latino as a correspondent on the most important, most iconic news show in the world. I do call it a, a glass ceiling, by the way. And I think I used those exact words when I was trying to like pitch this to my team. So as I mentioned at the beginning, a lot of our audience are Gen Z, younger, they're college, they're starting their careers um, or early on in their careers like me. And my question to you is, usually I ask, what would be your advice to these people? But I actually wanna know what you would tell your 20 year old self right out of college, because maybe you were like 20 some, right? Right out of college, what advice would you give that Enrique? That's a good question. Um, and I thought a lot about that lately. Well, since I became a dad, uh, I have a four and a two-year-old, um, and and I, you know, I don't want to bore them with unsolicited uh, <laughs> advice their entire lives. So I want to be really strategic about the things that I that I share with them, and that hopefully can can be hope, um, useful in their in their lives. Um, but in in my case, uh, looking back uh, when I was 20 years old. Um, work twice as hard, probably. I, 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 I was always, I always believed in hard work, but I, I felt uh, at the time that, that you know, there were other things like uh, talent and, 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 and network, I don't know, like things that I thought that could be important in life. And I, now I, I think it's even more important to have, to, to believe in hard work and put in the hours. Um, so, so work twice as hard as I did um, in school in those first years in journalism to try to learn as much as possible. Um, I would say um, sleep a little bit more. I, 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 wasn't, a, <laughs> I wasn't a big uh, good sleeper and, and now I regret that because I, now I really don't get to, to sleep at all. Um, and, and, and take care of yourself better. Uh, like, you know, in, in terms of, of my career, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's funny, Andrea, but I, 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 when I was graduating college, I said, I want to start, I want to work for this newspaper, Grupo Reforma, no? uh, in Norte and Monterrey, which is this small, well, not small, but it's, it's regional uh, newspaper in Mexico. Y luego quiero irme a Reforma y después de Reforma quiero irme a hacer un posgrado y luego quiero eh, eh, hacer algo en Estados Unidos y acabar haciendo periodismo en Estados Unidos. And, it, you know, in a way, it all became um, true and, and I'm, I'm happy and proud of the, the path that I followed. So, so not so much a professional advice, but more in a personal level say just work harder get a little bit more sleep and take better care of yourself and eat better <laughs> See, because I didn't now I have all this gray hair and, and and I look like I'm 53 instead of 42 so uh, just just that especially if I'm if I if, uh, to have a career in tv I think that has been a, a better way to go to take better care of myself might not know a lot about the history of 60 Minutes, but when you watch an episode, 
you know that you're watching 60 Minutes. The show is typically the same, with two investigative segments, either a personal profile or human interest story. 60 Minutes makes Nielsen's weekly top 10 nearly every week among all broadcast television programs, and it's the number one most watched television news program each week. Some of the most famous journalists we know have been 60 Minutes correspondents, like Mike Wallace, Dan Rather, Ed Bradley, Bob Simon, Lara Logan, Anderson Cooper, and Nora O'Donnell. 53 years without a Gonzalez, Rodriguez, Garcia, Guzman, Lopez, you get the point. 53 years is quite a while. And so having an Acevedo, I gotta say, is pretty monumental especially considering the staple that is 60 minutes in America's history. I, I truly believe that working on being a better person makes you a better journalist, more compassionate, more empathetic, more um, aware of of, of the responsibilities of telling stories and, 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 and more uh, worried and, and invested in what's important in our profession, which is listening instead of just speaking all the time and talking all the time. Um, but, but I mean, professionally, I, I, I would say, and I still have, I'm, you know, I, I had trouble with this and I'm still trying to figure out the best way to do this, but trust, you know, trust in, in yourself and, and, and don't try to fit any, Casilla, uh, um, um, how do you say that? Uh, don't try to fix in, in a box in or in a mold, yeah. right? Um, like at the beginning at 60, I was trying to, my story selection and, 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 and even the way I was tracking and the, even the, everything about the way I was behaving was, was screaming, I want to belong and I want to be part of that. Instead of building on my strength, which is just this unique perspective on, on things, on journalism, which they've never had. I mean, they've had different perspectives and incredible perspectives, but not the one from a first-generation immigrant coming from Mexico, right? Um, so, so don't be afraid of, of developing your own voice and, and don't try to imitate anyone because that's already been done. Um, and, and we need new perspectives and new um, ideas in storytelling. I think when it comes to Latinos or minorities of any kind, um, it helps us a lot for someone else who was in our shoes to tell us it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to bring in all of the things you have and use that to your advantage. You don't need to forget Spanish to fit into this culture. You know, all of that, those ideas that were told since we were kids. Exactly. Um, you actually need to incorporate Spanish. Exacto. Like, it'll um, increase your chances of success. And if you know French or another <laughs> language, even better. Um, but I, I think this is just fascin a fascinating topic because first of all, don't be afraid of being yourself. And then don't be, af don't be afraid of not knowing exactly, you know, what that means, mm. right? We're all still trying to figure out, and, and, and I wanted to ask you about, you know, the labels, the Latinx, the Latinos, the Hispanics. It's, it's just, we're such a diverse and complex group 
that it's, I think, impossible to settle on one, on, on just one definition. And, and we're still figuring it out. Like a lot mm -hmm. of people ask me, so, so tell me I mean, the difference between this and the other and uh, Latinos and Latinx and, and, and why you prefer one or the other. And I'm like, you know, the important thing you need to understand is that we're, we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. And I think that's an, a, just an important component of this discussion and people shouldn't be uh, feel frustrated or ashamed of not knowing exactly where they fit in that discussion, right? Um, and, and, and it has to do with the recognition that we are not a monolithic community in any sense and, um, and, and, and just learning to, to identify and, 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 and be comfortable with who we are. What have been some of your favorite interviews to date? That's an easy question. Um, all of my favorite interviews, until not too long ago, I would have said President Obama when you know we were in Cartagena during the Summit of the Americas. And, and I actually enjoy the story of how that interview came about more than the interview itself because it was the first thing I ever did for Univision on air. So my first wow. minute on air on Univision was the interview with President Obama. Wow. And, and that happened because um, I, I just got started at Univision and I said, you know, I'd like to cover the Summit of the Americas. I think it's, it's important. And everyone was like, who cares about the Summit of the Americas? It's just a bunch of presidents getting together in Cartagena and, you know, we'll cover it the, with, you know, the way we will cover it, but it's not worth sending an anchor there right now, you know, which is something I, I, I struggle with throughout my entire career, like thinking there's a, I pride myself in, in having a good story uh, radar and, and, and it's not always uh, the case with everyone. So I was just begging for them to send me and they're like, fine, go to Cartagena, take a producer, but we're not, we're not sending a camera crew. If there's something you gotta shoot it, you figure it out. And we're like, fine, okay. Then I get on a plane one day before the summit starts and I get a call from one of the heads of news and she's like, uh, so, um, so you're interviewing President Obama because you know, Nadie más está acreditado, nadie más quería ir. And, you know, we had a conversation with the White House and he's going to give us an interview and that's going to happen and it's going to be you. And so, you know, that's, that's how it came, it came about. And I remember being in the room surrounded by Secret Service guys because when the president side of the bubble, the, the Washington bubble, uh, he usually travels with so much more security and, and you have to be in the room if you're going to interview him like a couple of hours before they check all your... Um, you know, your bags and all that, and then you just can't leave. And you're pretty much um, incommunicated from the rest of the world for a couple of hours before you interview him. And then when he came in, uh, uh, it was kind of a, we had a, an interesting conversation. We got going in the, in the interview and then we ran out um, of the hotel and, and sent the part of the interview and did a live uh, hit for Univision. So it worked out well. So, but anyway, that's a super long uh, answer for, for what you asked. Um, I would have said that or, you know, uh, the former um, uh, Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan, or, or people like that. Um, to be honest, and, 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 and I, I, I may sound like a broken record, but the most important interviews I've done in my life are with people who have been extremely generous by sharing their, their story uh, with me at a time of great stress or, or loss in their lives. Uh, I just interviewed um, this Tuesday on, on Saturday, I interviewed a 27 year old single 
a parent from Honduras who had just been deported back to the to the Mexican side of the border with his eight-year-old and, and his 10-year-old daughter. His pants were still wet from crossing the river with both children and and he just broke down and, 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 and started crying in front of the cameras in front of his kids when I asked him you know, what, what his plans were after 21 days walking from Honduras to the US-Mexico border, crossing the river with, with, with both uh, uh, of his children on his back and, and coming back just hours after that with no money, no place to stay, no food, um, nothing. And imagine like if I was going through that, I wouldn't have the, 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 the clarity of mind or the time to talk to a reporter with a camera pointed at my face. I just, right? I mean, I think, I think it's just extremely generous and, and, and human. The most, one of the most human things you can do is sort of say, I feel alone. I, I'm, I'm in this dark moment in my life. So I, I have the urge and the, 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 the need to share my story, to, to find some, some humanity in, in, in this moment. Um, I, I think it's super powerful. That, and, and I can tell you a hundred stories like that and all of them I remember and the names and the people. And, and you know, my wife says that I should sometimes get therapy because, because I, 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 you know, it, it, it's personal. But, uh, but the therapy is the stories and, 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 and being able to tell their stories and, and doing a dignified and, and, and in a professional, rigorous way, it's even more important for me. So those are the most important interviews in my life. The 67-year-old the from um, the Sendai province in Japan who had lost his house, his business, his entire family was just you know, trying to pick up whatever was left of, of what he thought was his house because it was just rubble and would still look at me, total foreigner, stranger, and explain his, his life 24 hours before the tsunami. And all of those stories, are the, also interviews, are, Andrea, by far the most important things I've done in my life. And that, I'll take those to my, my grave. Spoken like a true journalist. <laughs> and from all of these stories, all of these interviews, I know there's not gonna be this one thing, but what would you say are some of the most valuable lessons you've learned? Well, I, I learned to be an active listener, to be in, in, in the moment, right? You know, there's an entire thing about mindfulness and, and living in the moment. And I probably can't do that at any other moment in my life, um, as well as I do it when I'm, when I'm interviewing someone or working on a story, writing a script, that's like as focused as I can be in, in the moment. Um, so, so that's very rewarding, right? Just being present um, and being present for someone else. Um, so, so, yeah, I've learned that. That you know, I, I remember my my kids when they were growing up. Even now, they all everyone asks you what, which what, which was their first word and what did they say, but no one ever asks you if they're being taught how to listen, right? And and I I make this a, a point because listening allows you to develop all these important qualities in life. Again, compassion, empathy. Um, so, so it's made me a better listener. It's made me, it's given me the chance to be mindful and aware of living in the moment. Um, it's also taught me the, the importance of, of, of um, I don't want to say, you know, like I'm talking from this pedestal of moral superiority because I don't think journalists should be 
that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, it's an unrealistic expectation about who we are. Pero sí creo que, eh, sí creo que, que hay un, algo que decir de este, este lema que me encantaba, que me dijeron hace muchos años, para tener la lengua larga, hay que tener la cola corta. You have to walk the walk. Uh, y, y that requires uh, un, un nivel de, de, de congruencia moral importante. Um, and, and believe me, uh, you, it's, it's hard to do. And just I can count in one hand the, the, the people in, in my line of work, in our line of work that, um, that do that. And, and it may not give you a lot of followers or awards, but it will uh, make you sleep better at night. I don't know enough about empathy. I haven't studied enough about empathy, um, but I admire anyone who I feel that from. And that's to me, when I think of who I want to be in life, that's one of the words that come to mind. Yeah, you, you hope that it comes natural. Um, and, and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. That's why it's natural because, you know, it's not a switch you can turn on and off. Um, yeah. But, but I, 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 again, I may be too, um, what's the word, idealista or <laughs> naive. Yeah. I remember a, 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 this, this big time media muggle once told me that I wasn't going to get anywhere in my career because I wasn't, a, you know, I didn't have the killer instinct. I wasn't a shark. Mm. I guess I was more of a golden retriever. <laughs> guys, or whatever. Golden retrievers can be very aggressive. Just saying. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had that experience, but um, maybe when I'm hungry. But no, uh, in all in all honesty, uh, I, I I thought, well, maybe he's right. I I don't like conflict. I don't like you know. I, I don't. I'm not an, a, a violent person. So, and, and, I, and I truly feel that the, the sun can shine for everyone. I mean, I don't want, I don't like getting ahead by elbowing anyone. Um, it's not that I'm not competitive. I'm as competitive as, as, as anyone, but, um, but in understanding competition as a way to grow together not so much to just, you know, um, eliminate the other. And, and so, um, So I've used that in my career to sort of try to prove that, that you can make it in life without being an beep. Uh, and, and, you know, I, the, the little success I've had, I've had it uh, without ever, uh, you know, behaving like that. Uh, I've, I'm sure I've had my moments and, and I've been not the, the, the nicest person to be around at some point or another, but I've, I think overall throughout my career, I've, I've made mostly friends and, and, and people that I, you know, that my co-workers, all of them, uh, especially the people that I work with the most um, would, would say that's, that's the case, hopefully. Uh, and then, uh, you know, going back to some of the things you were saying, now uh, Bill Owens, he's the, the head of 60 Minutes, you know, the, the, there's Don Hewitt, the creator of 60 Minutes, and then Jeff Fager, who led 60 Minutes for many years, and now Bill Owens uh, at the head. And 
I've learned so much from, from, it's been a masterclass in journalism and storytelling. And, 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 and he's, he said something uh, uh, to me the other day that just was a highlight of my career probably when he said, um, I just love your interviewing style. It's very 60 minutes. And, and because I've never felt that I'm a strong interviewer because I never felt that they, the interview, it's the most important, like it, it's un genero como difícil o importante. I would always think like, you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. And, and I, and, and because I'm not the guy who goes up to the, you know, to the interview and says, usted es un ratero, usted es un ratero. A ver, muéstreme que no es un ratero. Ah, no, usted es un ratero. I'm, it's not my style. I'm not saying the guys who do it are, are wrong. It's just not my style. Y, y, y I still think that I can be as, you know, as forward and, and, and incisivo as anyone in the business without, you know, the, the extra drama and the, you know, the, the, the theatrics. It's never been my style. So when Bill told me that, that he liked my interviewing style and it was very 60 minutes, it was just, you know, so I said, wow, uh, I never thought uh, I would get that, especially not from, from someone like Bill. And, um, and, and he said, it's because you're an active listener is because you connect with your subject and because they feel comfortable around you. And that's, those are all keys to, to, to getting the information and the chemistry you need for a 60 minutes type story. Writing it in my mental note, because that's what I'm going for in my dream box is the 60 minutes being able yes. to give those interviews. Yeah, <laughs> it would be, be great to, to, so, to have you as a teammate y que seas la primera Latina <laughs> that would be minutes. the dream even better for those of you who aspire to be journalists or who are simply interested in being informed I found a resource that has a lot of tools on journalism and news 101 if you visit americanpressinstitute.com you have information from the most basic like what is journalism to keys to telling engaging stories understanding bias and the meaning of objectivity, methods of verifying facts, organizing stories, defining structure, and a lot of more useful tips. These resources are put together by a committee of concerned journalists, which is a consortium of reporters, editors, producers, publishers, owners, and academics. There are, of course, many resources out there, but this is one I like and that you can easily write on a post-it when writing your next story. Or you can always just watch an episode of 60 Minutes to get inspired. I think there's no big or small platform, right? It's, it's if we care about the things we say we care about, we should, um, we should, we should uh, have these conversations uh, everywhere and with everyone. And what better place and, and who better than that? A young journalist like yourself, someone who's passionate about telling stories and and you know uh, having conversations and meeting people, um, all of this is especially whoever is interested in, in enough in, in in what I do to spend an hour listening to me and not falling asleep. I'm eternally grateful. Así que por eso muchas gracias, no? Um, and I hope the audience the audience enjoys it too. Y estamos pasando por una etapa complicada como periodistas. Hay una crisis de credibilidad y una, esta especie de mundo posverdad. 
and, yeah. and I really hope people understand that, um, that there's a difference when we say the media, no, the media is, is, is everyone and everything. Holding yourself accountable, being transparent, having standards, uh, having you know gone to school and 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 pay your dues and and la redacción trabajando siete días de la semana overnights uh, to to be where we are and to have the privilege of, of having a platform like the one you have or the one I have, y, y that you know we consider a, 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 a we're committed to telling the truth and to telling stories and to uh, building a future founded on facts, which is, I think, good for everyone. It's a conversation we have and we have. And one of the big topics is always like the elections. Look at what happened there. What was this? What happened? But as a young journalist, I can tell you that I'm sometimes very scared of what media is today, both inspired and scared at the same time, because I get... I live through very inspirational things every day. I see them on my social media pop up and, and how people, how anybody can report a story nowadays, how anybody can be a young journalist, how you could take control of a lot of things yourself. But I'm also very terrified. And I think the elections was a testament to that of how much power is in the hands of people who might not always have those, you know, measures the quiero ir a dormir en paz or what's the Absolutely. story or the facts we've never been more informed and we've never been more exposed to this information and it's a very powerful tool and it's a tool that's not just um, available for people in power but to anyone with a smartphone uh, or a computer mm -hmm. <laughs> or access to the internet so absolutely and we need good journalism to rise to the top and we need people like you, Andrea, to make sure that happens and, and, and to, to, to take ownership of that, um, um, to, to tell the story of the border, to tell the story of, of uh, your story uh, and how it reflects in, in, in your community and, and have people in DC listen to that. Um, so absolutely. Um, and, and I'm very optimistic when I, maybe Monday to Friday, I'm not, but then I get to talk to people like you and, and I feel, uh, a, a sense of optimism, renowned sense of optimism. One last question, just so that we have it out there. Where can people follow you or learn more about you? Sure. I mean, they can uh, watch 60 Minutes Plus on Paramount Plus. Um, it's, it's a mountain of entertainment. It's a streaming app uh, where you have Comedy Central and CBS and uh, MTV and Black Entertainment Television and a lot of iconic brands coming together to, to bring that news, sports, and entertainment um, on 60 Minutes. Um, uh, plus, they can also follow me on social media. It's just simple, at Enrique uh, underscore Acevedo. And um, if not, they can just uh, call you and uh, <laughs> we'll set up a Zoom. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode with Enrique. You can follow Enrique at Enrique underscore Acevedo on social media and find him on 60 Minutes on Paramount+. Plus. You can find all of this information in the description of this episode. Remember to support us by rating this podcast on Apple Podcasts. As you know, this will help us continue to work on this show and bring on guests who inspire and motivate you. This is Latin Nikki's. I'm your host, Andrea Marquez. Thank you for listening. <laughs>